0: Welcome to Yo! House. Today on our pod, we've got Kyle Korver. Those who follow the NBA know him well as a three-point specialist and future Hall of Famer, but what NBA fans probably don't know and what you'll hear him talk about today are his experiences as a family man, a person of faith, and a bridge for racial reconciliation. Enjoy. The moment you've been waiting for and why you are here Uh, we got Kyle Korba with us, right? He's a a pro basketball player with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, It's weird for me to read this stuff, Kyle, because I don't, don't, I don't never, I I, I never think about this. I I had to go on Wikipedia. You don't have
1: to say them, it's okay.
0: (laughs) I know, but you know, it's this kind of thing you got to do for some of the people who don't know. I I mean, there's a couple people that may not know you, but he played college ball with Creighton Bull. Blue Jays and was drafted in the second round in 2003, long time ago. He's one of the dinosaurs of the NBA. Um, And he was drafted by the New Jersey Nets, but immediately, this was like prophetic. He would be traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. He would immediately be in transition. He thought he would be able to settle somewhere probably, but he was not able to settle. He kept on moving around. After four and a half seasons in Philadelphia, he's traded to Utah Jazz. During his first stint with the Jazz in 2009 through 10, Corver shot an amazing 53.6% from three-point range with set an NBA single-season, three-point field goal accuracy record. And then 2010, he joined the Chicago Bulls. In 2012, he's traded to Atlanta Hawks, which by the way, he's in Atlanta now. This is probably one of his favorite places in the world with some great friends. He's there with Shannon Berger, who's one of our friends. He runs Plywood People. Anyways, he was also a member of the Cavaliers. He was an NBA All-Star in 2017. Uh, 2018, He's traded back to the Jazz. 2019, he signed with the Milwaukee Bucks. Hey, just this know he's one of the most prolific three-point field goal scorers ever, having the NBA's fourth most all-time three-point field goals made and second highest all-time three-point field goal strategy. You are looking at a future Hall of Famer Oh, Corver. <laughs> it's so weird talking about him this way. Okay, anyways, so Corver, on a personal side, um, he has, like, three brothers that he grew up with. These guys were all basketball kids, man. And his dad, you know, his parents this this groomed these guys to love ball. And so they all played Division One ball. And so it, it was pretty powerful. And then, you know, his family moved to uh, Pella. And you know, all he has all his family members that are involved in the pastoral world. So, so those of you who who are from the the you know faith background, he grew up in a very spiritual atmosphere. He's married to Juliet, who we love and you'll love. She is uh, she is not one to hold back. She she lets her feelings be known, and she has a voice. And I'm hoping soon you're going to be able to read that voice. We'll have to interview her when she's new book comes out it's going to be good one of our friends yeah. from the ex community is working with her on this it's going to be so good i know it's gonna be great so this is a dream come true for her i remember talking to her about this years ago and it's coming to fruition so um they got married in, in, on august 10th uh, 2011
1: Wow! but uh, wow, you're still yeah, reading man. wikipedia i thought maybe you just remembered that i was like that's
0: impressive are, are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> I, I i can just read him i can't even remember my own birthday oh, all right so th- they have uh kids kira Cohen, Coen, Knox. Cohen's the youngest and you know kyle's doing everything man he j- okay so he just got out of the bubble all right so he just got out of the bubble and i know for a fact and i was praying and hoping he'd still be in the bubble uh, because we were expecting Milwaukee Bucks, and it was going to be hard for me to accept, but I was already settled in my own spirit, Kyle, to root against the Lakers. Okay? You still can. You still can. <laughs> no, I can't right now, man. I can't. Right. Okay, this is our homeland, man. You were raised up here.
1: I know. I, I know, man. The, the Lakers were my favorite team ever. Uh, I until? Grew up, I grew up, I learned, to, I learned to love basketball watching Magic and Kareem and James Worthy. And then I got to the NBA and I played against the Lakers and the Laker fans. Oh. And because of the Laker fans <laughs> <laughs> I have ever since hated the Lakers. Oh, you guys are the worst. Okay,
0: no no, you we got to talk not, about maybe that. maybe not a you guys,
1: but the ones at the games who are Oh wait, wait a second. Like, the, <laughs> it's like yeah. No.
0: Cool. No, no. You were in the with the 76ers. Well,
1: I was, but like, you know, I'm just saying when you're playing at Staples Center, like those fans are not. Yeah, it's not it.
0: <laughs> that, 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 that actually makes me feel good that players wouldn't like to play at our stadiums, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, hey, Kyle. Okay, so there's a ton of questions. We're, we're going to introduce uh, your questions, too. Uh, we'd love to have you participate in this. So if you have questions, you know, you could put them in the chat area. And then I'm gonna ask, you know, Mel or one of the people that are with me here, part of our team, if you could help me curate this on like, you know, which uh questions that so when I go to you, you're gonna pick them and and tell us tell us which questions or highlight the person to come on. So you have a choice to come on live and ask your question, or you could just, you know, you know, leave it on the chat. But we'd like you to to come on. So be ready to turn on your mic in a, in a little little bit.
2: So you face. All right
0: do it okay dude so here we go um you are a deep person okay because i like to bring out the side of people that they don't know all right so as soon as i met kyle kyle we met i think we met near atlanta didn't we
1: yeah we met in atlanta
0: yeah you're right yeah yeah it was at that leadership gathering that's like smaller one Yep. And I, I remember you came walking, I think you came walking in your like sweat stuff again, and, you know, like your, <laughs> <laughs> your normal basketball gear, probably, probably, the jock, the jock coming in, you know, like, like in high school, jock comes in all cool with his stuff, with his gear. And anyways, somehow we connected. And I remember, I think we were out in the hallway or something. And yeah, it was just like a connection. And then I got to know him over the years. We started hanging out a little bit, and then we, you know, we we fl- fly and meet meet each other or something. And but we got deep. I mean, we spend days together. So I, I I think I know Kyle and his family pretty well. Um, when I think about Kyle, I would say these words. Okay, man of integrity. All right, his words his word. Deeply loyal. If if Kyle's your friend. You got someone who never will leave you, all right? You know, so he's not going to maybe quick, maybe to be friends with everybody. He'll be nice probably to everybody, but he's really deep with the people that are his close family and friends. Um, Super generous with his time. Very humble for the position he has and for his notoriety, very humble. Um, The the thing that stands out to me uh, from a public square perspective is probably his integrity. And, you know, in a world right now where there's a lot of lies going on and a lot of fabrications, whether it's government officials, you know, when you think about what happened today and Breonna Taylor and there being no convictions and, you know, the, uh, the walls basically getting more justice than Breonna Taylor as being, as being uh, proclaimed on, on social media. Um, When you look at what politicians said in 2016 about Supreme Court justices and then flip-flopping today, I mean, it's really wonderful to be able to meet someone and to see a public figure actually who is true to who they are. Kyle's that person, all right? I know that for a fact. I've seen him up times, down times. This guy is legitimately true. And I know he doesn't even like me saying this type of stuff because he'd be embarrassed. He's embarrassed when I talk about him but but this is the truth. I don't give any type of platitudes to someone uh, unless I really believe it. So Kyle, um, where did you get all this, this, uh, this stuff from? Like this, this vision of integrity, just trying to be as honest as you can. Where, where did that come from?
1: Uh, well, first, uh, just thank you. Um, that's incredibly kind. I, I think, um, I'm someone who has many privileges in life, right? And I think we'll talk more about some of those other ones later, but I think perhaps the greatest privilege I've gotten in life is to grow up in a family uh, with a mom and a dad who showed me how to love each other and to help to love other people. And to be in a family where um, I've watched generations, my dad and the generations before him give their best every day. Like no matter what was in front of them, they gave their best every single day, and just the example of that—that um, that is something that not a lot of people get. Um, those are you know you have to learn these things in other ways, and I think uh, you know whatever I may have in that space, um, it really just comes from examples that have been given to me, and so I'm I'm really grateful for those. Um, um, you know, I, 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 my dad turned 60 a couple of years ago and I got to write him a letter. Mom does one of those things where she opens yeah. up one letter every day for a month or whatever. And that's really what I wrote to him. It's just like, I like I've watched you had to you've had to make so many decisions. I've watched he's a pastor of the church, and, um, incredible man. And I was like, I have never I've you have made the, the hard choice, the right choice by people every single time. It's an incredible thing to get to have as a as a dad or as a son to have a dad do that, and you get to watch that. So, um, I th- that's surely where it comes from. And um, he watched his dad do the same. So it's just uh, it's an incredible privilege that I've that I've had.
0: You know, I, I as I was you know examining and listening to your life, and you know we've talked about it. You know, your parents they've they've had hardships. Your family's experienced hardships. Um, I think the most recent one was the loss of your brother. You know, just, uh, tell me how that uh, shifted the way you view things or did it enhance your perspective? What did that that season do? Cause I know you never lose the grief from that, there's the sorrow, but as you're still kind of in that, what what have you been learning? Oh
1: boy, that's a big one. You know, so I just, I have a, uh, I come from four four boys and uh, my youngest brother Kirk was 10 years younger than me. And, uh, you know, close family. We're all, we're four versions of the same person. (laughs) We're all about the same height. We all look kind of the same. We all walk kind of the same. We all (laughs) like to shoot baskets, Um, you know, and uh, he he passed away uh, a little over two years ago now. He was uh, 27 years old and we don't really know what his His liver failed and we don't really know all the way. We don't have all the answers. Obviously, that's been probably the hardest moment of my life so far. Um, uh, just you know, early death is hard to deal with. And it, it takes you down a path if you let it. Um, and you can distract yourself and you know, try to just work through it. Or you can try to sit in it. And um, uh, its it has changed, honestly, a lot of things for me. It has changed how I view God. It mm. has changed how I view good works and how important <laughs> that is. It has uh, changed... Um, what I uh, want for my children, right? Mm-hmm. Like as as I raise them, um, it has changed. It has changed how I see the world. It's uh, um, he, uh, at at his at his funeral. The the at the athletic director. Uh, he went to the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and played basketball there. He came up to me and and with with tears in her eyes, said, "I have never seen uh, someone bridge the gap between black and white like your like your brother Kirk." Wow. and so just like things like that just like wow like that's that's who kirk was like that I, I want that to live out in me right like i think when you experience death like it's all super sad but the way you honor someone is like what what, what are you going to take with them, with you from their life like how, how how do you how do they continue to live through you and and that honestly that little 10 second conversation has spurred me on in a beautiful way mm-hmm. right so what it, I mean, it's I could talk for three days about this, um, right? This, this has led me into counseling. It's just yeah. it's just opened up all new, you know, <laughs> pathways of understanding myself and my family and family of origin and marriage, right. and raising children, all these things. Um, but yeah, death is one of those things, especially early death. Like you know, uh, if if you choose, it's it's an opportunity for a whole lot of growth. Like right? the, the 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 things that you hold closest to you are formed in. They're formed in the in the in the fire, right? In the in the harder times in life, and and that was a hard time for me, which and it's ended up forming a lot of who I am.
0: You know, when you think, you know, I, as as you talk about this being, a, he was like a bridge to relationships, the black and the white. Um, I feel like that's intrinsic in your family, and that's one of the values, you know, that you have specifically. But when you think about some of your other personal relationships, like with Juliet your children your friends it seems like you have this certain set of values or principles in your mind of 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 how to cultivate or how to be a good friend or person what are some of the things you think about in terms of when it, when it when you're trying to work out relationships with people you know what keeps you motivated what keeps you going to keep digging deeper to stay in the game not to quit uh, because to be honest, the relationship stuff, the closer you get, sometimes it gets pretty ugly. Um, but what have you found to help you to sustain yourself and to keep the relationships going stronger?
1: Well, I mean, you can ask my wife how good I really am at this. Um, but, you know, uh, I, one of my core values in life is that everything is always evolving. If you're not evolving, you're dying. If you're not evolving, someone else is. You have to always be evolving. And the best way to evolve a lot of times is through relationships, right? It's through relationships that, God, man, they don't make sense to you right away, right? They have an idea or they have a way that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you. But if you want to evolve and you want to grow and you want to be better, you got to stay in that thing, yeah, right? And so I think, you know, um you know like with my wife when we're, we're we're in it and we're figuring something out like there's part of me that's so frustrated and there's another part of me it's like man we're going to be somewhere so much better after this because she has a similar um, a similar value system as me just that you're always evolving always growing and so i think um you know just just this just that like hope, i, I want to keep on getting better i want to keep on learning i want to keep on evolving and 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 Of times that's just sticking through a hard relationship or
0: um uh keeping the
1: conversation going,
0: right? You you know, as you talk about evolution or evolving, the word that comes to my mind, Kyle, is transition, you know. And and I feel like if you're honest, it's like, do we ever get out of transition almost? Like it's you know, we're constantly so I don't know, maybe there's this weird thing that we think, oh, you know, this is just a transition. Well, it's always transition, we're always we're dynamic, but. I think when I look at your career as a player, you know, you you were a starter, you're a role player. And, you know, to be honest, when I was even watching you play sometimes, I'm thinking, cops just be starting right now. Dude's way better than these other guys. He's what the team needs right now.
1: You've been sitting with my mom, man. Like you and my mom are sitting there yelling at the coach and the referees.
0: It's bugging me, man. I have to, I get I'm, I'm about to throw something at my really nice TV, man. And so, but it's, it bugs me. So I'm thinking, man. Kyle's sitting there. He's all peaceful. You know, he's he's cheering the team on. So, anyways, I think there's a lot to learn from you about how do you deal with like, you know, when you know you got gifts, and how do you settle into like the role you've been given? Because especially during the pandemic, I think there's principles we could probably learn because we're in a transition period that seems more intense. And we're in situations that we don't necessarily want to be in. Uh, we're, we're given roles. And we go, man, I'm not doing what I want to do. So how did you figure that stuff out? How do you keep calm and still play the game when you're called to get on the court?
1: Well, first you learn how to fake it. Because <laughs> <laughs> if the coach sees you mad, you're not going to go back in the game, right? <laughs> so you got, you got to learn to play the game a little bit, I suppose. Um, But I I think I think uh, one of the biggest lessons you learn is like life's not all about you. It's not all about you. It's about the team. It's about the group. It's about the bigger picture. Right on. And when you live with that in mind, like all the pressure goes away. Right. Like this. I could have there were times this year I was super frustrated in the bubble. I was super frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It's not my team. And it's not about me. And it's not my choice. And I just got to do the best with what I'm being given. And there's freedom in that.
3: Mm.
1: There's, there's freedom in that. No one's asking you to do more than that. Um, doesn't make it easy to accept. Uh, but, you know, I think there is there is such a beauty to being a part of a team. And to being a part of a bigger story. And to being a part of a bigger plan. And when you're a part of a bigger plan and the plan's not all about you, you have to accept some things, right? And uh, those are hard lessons to learn. And mostly you got to just go through it a few times where you're fighting for your way and you realize that uh, at some point um, it's not worth the fight and you, you give in, but then you find a whole new freedom and a whole new path. And that, you know, a basketball career is, I mean, we play 82 games, 100 games over the course of the season. It's up and it's down. And it's all around. And, um, yeah, I think it's just accepting that, yo, like whether you're on a team or you're in a business or you're in a faith community or you're in a country, <laughs> you know, like whatever it's it's not all about you and so you got to find your role and you got to find your best way to be effective in it. And there's a lot of satisfaction in that.
0: You know, you're probably one of the people who have been in the game the longest, man, right? I don't know how many people are longer. Is, it, is there any other people right now that are longer than you right now in
1: the game? Uh, Victor Vince oh yeah, he's older than me. And, uh, uh, Udonis Haslem. Okay. He hasn't played in a few years. I'm not sure why he's still playing, but um, and then Jamal Crawford came back. Right? Oh, oh yeah, oh, right. some of these guys are coming back. Like Carmelo <laughs> came back. It was just I moving
0: mean on from our. work, Carmelo came back. That's hilarious. I, oh. I I Charles Barkley said last night he shouldn't come back. You know, I said no, <laughs> don't do that, Charles. Uh, so hey, hey listen, so you know when you. Started the league. How would you say it's different in terms of the 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 people coming in, the players? How are the players different oh. from when you started to now?
1: Everything is very different. The way the NBA, the way the players act, the way they um, everyone now it, it, you're it's you're a brand now, right? And so everyone takes that very seriously. There's so much opportunity outside of just the game. So people care a lot more and present themselves. They put more thought into this. Uh, the game, the the coaching is different the style is different um it's gotten analytical it's much it's a much smarter game there's a bunch of people who don't know anything about basketball running about these basketball teams and everything is formulas and what's you know three-point shots from this spot on the court are the highest percentage and we want as many of these as we can and this is this two-point shot is the worst percentage we want to shoot none of those even if they're wide open that like doesn't make any sense um but the game has changed a ton and with that as you know, players have changed. Uh, the rules have changed. And so players have had to kind of follow suit with that. But, um, you know, the world is a lot different than when I came into the NBA. There was no, there was no social media. There was no, um, a lot of these things that have shaped so much of the world. So it's a, it's a whole different game. And the, the, the players are um, a product of a different game.
0: Okay. So let's go back to the bubble, right? And then I, I want to open it up because you know, what I don't like is when people have a lot of questions and the, the interviewer keeps going on. So I know how that feels being a participant. So I'm going to get everybody engaged here. But I had another, I, th- I thought it'd be cool for you to share a little bit about the uniqueness of the bubble, being in the bubble. But I, can you share a little bit about the moment um, when the, the Bucks decided not to play? That was a big thing that they just said, you know, we're not going to play tonight. Yes. Can you give us the back? Ground story of that, or if you're able to? Yeah, of course. Well, I think
1: all the the players, there was a lot of conversation about um, a lot of guys not wanting to take away from the stories playing out across the country, Um, you know, because we feel like this is a moment in time where change is possible. Um, It's still going to be very hard, but it feels different right now for a bunch of reasons. Um, And we didn't want to take away from that. And so players are trying to, in their interviews, continue to speak up um you know everyone's wearing certain t-shirts the games we've got stuff on the back of our jerseys and on the court black lives matter but it after you know a while i felt like that was kind of fading and apparently some people didn't like that they're tuning out of the games um and then uh you know we're at this game and um you know our 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 team um you know we're really emotional that day uh, there'd just been the shooting in Wisconsin and the, the rioting afterwards and this white kid walking down shooting people. With, it was just like craziness. And we're taking this all and we're in this bubble. Like we're really isolated. And so we're not, you're not able to like debrief and download. You can't change. You're just, you're with your teammates all the time. There's no, and you're with your teammates. You're not allowed to hang out with the other teams, right? We're really isolated in this thing. And so we're all really just in a, in a rough, rough spot emotionally. We're really raw. And we literally came, we'd been talking about what can we do for days and days. And then uh, we got to the game and one of our coaches, he's got sons living in Wisconsin that are 20 and 22 years old. And he is just sobbing. And he, there's this little coach's office that he breaks the whole thing down. Like he's just so frustrated. And we're sitting there in the locker room and like nobody wants to play. Nobody, nobody's in a mind space to play a playoff game guys are just sitting in their chairs just crying right and so one of our players george hill had decided he's been in a rough spot this whole time and he's like i just cannot play and then sterling brown was just like if you're not going to play i'm not going to play and then they presented that to the team and we looked around and we're like where would you like we want to i mean what does this do i mean it was like a really like we're deciding up to the clock like are we doing this or are we not this is a big deal but we feel like this is right and we had no idea the rest of the teams were going to do what they did. We had no idea how anyone was going to react. We had, but it was just like, you know, this is wrong and we feel this way and we don't know what this will bring, but we're going to try. And it ended up, you know, obviously all the other teams um, followed suit and other other leagues followed suit. And I think it was a powerful moment that, it was, it was good in that moment, but I think it's also something that people are going to draw on in, in, in the future, hopefully, like other athletes, as we keep on discovering how to be a bridge, right? Like, it's, it's um, a lot of the conversations that we've been having as a team have been not just, like, picking a side, but, like, sport has always had the opportunity to be in the middle, to be a bridge, right? And I feel the same way about the church mm-hmm. and about faith. We have the opportunity to be a bridge, to be in the middle. Now we don't always choose that. Right. And we don't, a lot of us don't know how to choose that, yeah. but it's hard to be in the middle, but this is the mm-hmm. opportunity that we have. And so, um, you know, in basketball, as a basketball team, like, you know, this is like, we want to make a stand. You have to make a stand. You can't just be like, you. at some point you got to draw your line in the sand and say, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. And mm-hmm. everyone needs to know it, right? but then how do you choose the middle? And um, so anyway, that's what we were trying to do that day. Um, We're calling out the state legislature, which we found out, we found out before that had like, despite all the protests, despite all the energy, despite all the outcry, they hadn't met in four months to even talk about anything. And we're like, this is all for nothing. This can't all be for nothing. They won't even meet, right? So there was just a lot of frustration and um, and a lot of emotion. And uh, I was super proud of our team. And I was grateful to, uh, to be able to you know, to be a part of it.
0: Yeah. You know, Kyle, we've been talking about this, I think probably a couple years. We've been talking about what you're passionate about in terms of what you really want to be engaged in. And you're one of the few white guys in a very Black league. Um, how did you like shift from what you say yourself, some of your own prejudices of like your black teammates and black culture, what was the trigger? What was the catalytic moment or moments that really like shifted your perspective so that you got passionate about this?
1: Well, I mean, it's interesting. I have a unique story in that, um, so I was born in Paramount, California where um it's a small it's a city between compton and long beach so me and my family were some of the only white people um in that city at the time it's a hard it was a rough city when we were there we moved from there when i was 12 to pella iowa which is a town of 10,000 white people right and then i went to omaha and played playing division one basketball and i have african-american teammates then i went to philly and i was the only white guy on the team my rookie year and then i got traded to salt lake city which in NBA terms is the whitest city in America in, in the NBA. Yeah. I went from there to Chicago and Atlanta, right? Uh-huh. And then I go to Cleveland and play with LeBron and watch him be a part of what he does and be and Cleveland, Cleveland's got, you know, it's a tough city too. Then go back to to Utah, Salt Lake, right? All white again. And then I go to Milwaukee, which some people say is the most segregated city still in America. Yeah. So it's, I mean, some people don't move ever. Some people move some. I've moved a lot and every time I move, I go from the minority to the majority, to the minority, to the majority, to the minority, to the majority. It's crazy, right? And so I always assumed because I have moved a lot and because I've been in and out, like I feel like I kind of understand both sides and you know, like I'm trying to be this bridge in the middle, like, like I, I always assumed I knew a bit more than I did. I certainly didn't think I was part of a problem. Certainly not a problem. And then what was interesting was when I was in Atlanta, um, Black Lives Matter came on, right? It was created. And like, hey, all white folk, we can say whatever we want. We all had the same <laughs> questions in the very beginning, right? Uh-huh. Like like we can't act like we've been woke this whole time. We've all had to find, we, we don't understand. We can't understand. And in that moment when I was having all these questions, but then in relationship with a whole lot of black people who are experiencing this. And like, I'm like, I don't know, I don't get, how do I not get this? Like, how do I, how I, (laughs) how did this happen? Right? And so I was like, well, you know what? Like, let alone figure out what's right and what's wrong. If I want to be a better teammate, if I want to be a better, a real friend, not just a better friend, but an actual friend, I need to start doing some work. I need to start doing my own work. I need to start being more intentional with my questions. I need to start being more intentional with what I read. I need to be more intentional with the voices that I allow speak into my head, who I give authority to in my life, right? Are any of those people not white? Any of Mm -hmm. the leaders who have been speaking into me, are any of them not white men? These are Mm -hmm. questions I've had to ask. And the more I dig into this, the more like blind spot, I'm like, man, I got them all over the place. And so like, I come to this place and it's very easy to be upset it's very easy to be angry at Donald Trump and Fox news and, and, you know, and whatever, but I can't. Mm. Right. Because I was them. I still am them, but like, I, I'm connected to so many people back in Iowa, right. Who are good people, right? Like they, they are generous people. They love people. Well, but you don't know, you don't know right and so it's been this journey of like okay how do you try to be in the middle and how do you try to speak truth without watering it down like it's the whole path that we try to navigate and figure out right um but that's the journey that i feel like when i look back on my story and um it just feels like this is where i'm supposed to be like man it was what god is me in this moment, right Is just trying to, to be on this, in this spot and um to try to be helpful
0: Can you share just that one story before we open up for questions? The the one in New York with your teammate and the arm, what happened? I think that was a really key moment.
1: That was a big moment too. So after this, I started looking back. After I had this in in Atlanta, this moment, um, you know, really trying to understand the heart of Black Lives Matter and not just what the organization stands for all this stuff, right? But the heart. Why is this happening? I started looking back on my life and all these moments, and just the year before um one of my teammates were uh, we 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 played a back-to-back game and so we played in atlanta one night and the next night we played in brooklyn and so um you know a lot of guys when they go to new york they want to go out in the city a little bit and it's always a thing it's just like stay inside we gotta play a big game tomorrow anyway one of my teammates tabo uh had gone out in, in in new york and um when we woke up the next morning in our, in our team breakfast, the, the team text chat was going crazy. Like Tabo got arrested. Like he's, his legs all messed up. The, the police broke his leg. And I was like, my first reaction, right. Was man, Tabo, why were you out last night? Why, why were you going out? It wasn't the police broke his leg. Tabo's a good, why, why would the Tabo would never do anything for the police to, what happened like there's more to the story I didn't think about that I thought about Tabo why were you I mean, I thought that because in my head because of my blind spots no the police would never break my leg unless I did something stupid right and so anyway that it's it that that moment was significant for me um, I ended up like a little uh, essay about that and posted on the Players Tribune, just really trying to um, confess my story the best that I can, um, and 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 uh, that was a that story was a big part of of, of me kind of getting to where I am. So,
0: so good, oh. Kyle. Thanks for sharing that, and thanks for being vulnerable about your family, just about your perspective of some of the the relationships that you've had to reexamine. Uh, with culture, with your friends. Hey, I want to open this up for our community. You know, there's really wonderful people that I know want to have some questions for you. I'm going to have Mel, one of our hosts with Yo House, to lead this discussion, and she's she's the one I told you she's really tough, so you have to watch out for her.
4: All right? Oh. Hey, no, here. I'm not actually <laughs> asking any of the questions. Although I do have a quick follow-up. Hi, Kyle. Um, Regarding, you know, even that night in New York City, you talk about how everyone wants to go out. And as much as it is a work hard culture and your head is in the game, there is this culture to a certain extent of wanting to party. Um, I know you're a family man. I know many guys in the league are family men. But initially, that must have been a hard sort of additional code switching, right? How do you hang? How do you show that you can be fun and cool and laid back? But also really
1: stick true and hold true to your values. Yeah, yeah. And the hardest part is you walk into the NBA at 22. Exactly. Right. And so, um, I think what I've what I've learned in this space and what I will share with my children is that if people believe you stand for something, they'll respect it. If you have a reason for doing what you're doing people might not agree with it. They might think it's weird, but they're going to respect it. And I think a lot of times um, where people get caught is that they're trying to be cool with everybody and they don't really stand for anything. And they're just kind of like doing both. And then everyone's confused about who you are and you're confused about who you are. And so I think uh, at the root of this is who do you want to be in life? What, What do you want out of it? And you get to choose that. That's up to you. Um, but once you choose that, like stand on it. Yeah, stand on it. And, and and if you do that, I I think for me, like uh, you know, trying to hang with the guys in the beginning and not be weird <laughs> put me in a whole bunch of, you know, just it wasn't me, right? And and everybody saw that. And so uh um, you know, I think. It's put me on a path of like, you know, who am I? Who am I going to be? What am I going to stand for? This is who I am. And I think once you do that, people respect it. And then you know, it's it's a lot easier than you think it is. You can make the NBA whatever you want it to be. You can make it a party. You can make it a job. And you can make it, you can make whatever you want. Just like anything in life. It's, it's, it's all what, what you choose, but know what it is. Know who you are. Yeah.
4: Conviction, consistency. I love it. Um, Brian O seems to be a huge fan of you, Kyle, and he was talking about the bubble earlier, but I do want to pass the mic to him. Um, Brian, if you want to unmute and ask your latest question.
0: Um, Hi, Kyle. Uh, My name is Brian. I'm a huge fan. I'm like shaking right now (laughs) because I can't believe I'm actually talking to you. Um, But yeah, I thank you for answering the question about the bubble earlier, um, because I actually listened to a podcast you did with Jason Romano on Sports Spectrum. I'm a good friend of Jason, so listening to that was, like, super impactful for me. Um, My second question to you was about just, I think, I've watched a ton of your games over your career, and one thing that always stood out to me was how, like, level-headed you stay um, on the court, and I know, like, in the NBA, there's a lot of trash talking going on, there's a lot of anger happening um, with, like, bad calls with referees, but you seem to always stay level-headed and calm, and, like, the nice guy on the court, like, how do you How do you do that? And then also, what do you think the importance of that to you is in terms of showcasing to the world who you are as a person and what you stand for?
1: Uh, um, I don't feel level-headed in my head a lot. I think it goes back to faking it. (laughs) You know, I think, but I I do think that um, I've always, a lesson that a younger or an older veteran taught me was... um, don't let someone else beat you. Like don't let a referee beat you. Don't let a fan beat you. Right. Don't, don't let a bad call beat you. Like you already playing against the other guy. You're already playing against the other team. That's hard enough. This is the NBA. If you get too distracted in whatever it is, you're taking a call personal from the referee. This is, you know, this can be your own life in whatever way. Like, don't let the referee beat you. Um, And so I think that's, part of staying focused is just cutting out stuff that's going to take you where you don't need to be. And it's not that much more complicated than that. You know, um, uh, you know, I think my personality likes to walk into things anyway, and I'm probably too intense at times, but, um, that's really where it is. It's just, I don't want someone to beat me that, that shouldn't beat me. I, uh, winning too important. Mm. You
4: yeah. know, Kyle, one thing that our community seems to be really into and the analogy and the visual is so clear is the bridge, right? Um, James Bangley from Sydney actually wants to ask a question, but before we get there, you know, you talk about Trump, you talk about Fox News, um, and it's hard to be upset at the humans, right, uh, who perhaps have these ideologies or values that you at one point had. How have you been a conduit for change? Do you feel like you're an ambivalent bridge, you know, where you're able to liaise sort of um, agnostically to a certain extent? Or do you feel like you have an active role in changing people's minds, you know, like your former friends in Iowa, your friends in Chicago, right. your friends in Salt Lake City? Uh, how do you feel like you've been actively playing that role?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think um, ultimately it goes back to what I was talking about my dad is uh you can't you can't call for change that you're not actively trying to be like we 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 can point the finger at everybody else but i i think what's most helpful is like you know keep the finger pointing back at myself right like how how can i be better and then you know um don't try to bring light to a room but be the light when you walk into the room right be someone different and uh I, I, how, how does this happen right so this is the thing like um, like to me, is it do you, like, okay. So I was in the off season, the last bunch of off seasons, I lived in Santa Barbara. Okay. It's a wonderful, beautiful place. Dave has come and visited me there. It's great. But, um, you know, I don't want to raise my kids in Santa Barbara, right? Cause I, I, my kids can't change the world or can't be a part of change in the world if they don't understand the world. Right. So you know what? We moved to Atlanta and, you know, we're not living in, you know, the hood. But you know, we're in a city that's more diverse, and we're, they're gonna. This is gonna be a part of their life, right? So it's like, right now, it's it's not. You don't have to sell all your possessions and go give it all to the poor, and like, right? But like, what what are the changes that you're making in your life? Like the small one degree, two degree, three degree changes that you're making that in one years, and five years, and ten years is going to bring you into a whole new space, because you know what? I can't change some of my family's ideologies and thoughts right now because they watch fox news every day right and so but i can change these little things so i kind of referenced it earlier one of the biggest things that i feel like i can do is identify who has authority in my life who has the authority when i'm seeking wisdom when i'm seeking new ideas who 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 are these voices right so i'm a christian I read the Bible. I try to read the Bible every day. I don't, but I try to. There's only one Bible who was uh, one commentary Bible written by a black man. That's Dr. Tony Evans. Well, you know what? That's my Bible now, right? That's going to be the Bible. that shakes my thinking, his commentary Bible. It's little things like this that I think over the long run are going to shift who I am, right? Because right now I want to keep growing. I want to keep evolving. And as we do that, that's how this is going to change, right? How this is actually, a, this. everything has to evolve though. So I have to evolve. A lot of things have to evolve. What is my role in evolving? Uh, to me uh, right now, it's been, I'm on a tangent right now. I'm sorry. But who is the voices of authority in your head has been a really big one for me in my life.
4: Yeah, I love that you emphasize that. Um, James James Lee, I, well, I want to pass the mic
2: to you if you want to share your question. Thanks, Melody. Hey, and thanks, Carl. This is amazing, like just kind of what you're sharing. It's going very deep inside of me. And I think something that I really resonate with is the bridge uh, analogy. I think personally, I find myself in those spaces, whether it's a bridge as an Asian in a Western society, an Asian to Australia, a bridge between the next generation and the older generation, a bridge between even faith community, those who stay more on the word conservative side and those who stay more the spirit side um, or even just in general where, you know, trying to engage those that don't believe in Jesus and and trying to be a bridge that way um, to those who won't enter into a church service, so to speak. Um, I'm just interested in your views about as a bridge, right, like it's an access point and it's connecting, but I think there is a risk that you just get trodden over because you literally are a bridge cars and automobiles go across bridges. You actually, that's part of the gig. Right. But how do you, how do you have self care in that moment? How do you protect yourself, your relationships, I have a wife and two kids as well. Um, and then I guess the other thing to that is, or is there a piece where you just have to realize that that's part of the role to stay in the tension? Like if you think about Jesus, like you mentioned that, um, like he, he held his arms out like, for us and he was a bridge for us to the father. Like he stayed in that tension and is that just part of what we need to be doing? So I just, yeah, just really interested in your thoughts on that, how you do that yourself and yeah, any advice or Well, I think
1: my first thought is you can't be the bridge by yourself. Um, you know, I like guess is what community is for, right? Finding like-minded people who you can do this together with. So you can build each other up and, and, and uh, hold up each other's arms. Right. When needed. Um, You know, I think you, you, uh, I look back at like Colin Kaepernick. Right. And like he was kind of in that moment with all the Anthem stuff, like he was holding that thing by himself. Right. There was like three players that came up. What, What if the rest of the NFL would have done the same thing with him in that moment? Right. Like, it wouldn't just all be on him. Um, when I think about being a bridge, like, like, um, it's like, how do you bring them all? Like, you can't be a bridge by yourself, right? You're bringing them all together. So I think that's my first thought that's coming to mind. It's just like, not feeling like it's got to be just you being trampled over and what was me. But uh, the reality is the middle's hard. It's hard and it hurts. And uh, that's why no one's there. Right? Um, But that's, that's in a world that's being more and more divided. That's that's the space that's open for us to stand in.
4: Yeah. I mean, the chasm is only growing larger, right? Even with right. COVID, um, I'm sure you're experiencing firsthand, but those who are black, those who are poor are disproportionately affected and dying at higher rates. So to your point, the bridge is more necessary uh, to be able yeah. to span these two worlds, but unfortunately, I feel like fewer and fewer people are trying to span in that space. Um, I do want to get to Greg and Lauren Marshall. Uh, they're actually from Milwaukee. Greg, if you want to ask. Right. Yeah. Milwaukee. Yeah. Well, Kyle, I hear a lot of good things about you from Shar and Peter Ward. Uh are now actually probably on this call. My, is my audio working okay? A um, yeah. So, uh, I'm sorry. I'll try to make it concise. Um, I'm wondering what have you observed about Milwaukee, and what are those observations stirring in you? And did you have a sense of calling coming to Milwaukee?
1: Hmm. Um, you know what, my calling was Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hopeful. shoot with him a lot this year um not everything works out the way he wanted to Um, i think the thing that is interesting about milwaukee was just how segregated it is to be honest you know and so i think that's where a lot of our conversations with so we're in the process of starting a coalition with the packers and the brewers um where we like actually hire a director who's not a part of a team and hire a lobbyist and like how do we create policy and narratives and and things that where we can be a bridge, like use the sports, to use the teams to be a bridge, because I don't know how else it happens it's hard in Wisconsin. It's super divided. It's divided everywhere. But um like I said earlier, Milwaukee, a lot of people say it's still the most segregated city in America. Like, like how do we how do we try to help that? And so um I, I was living in Whitefish Bay, which um what a fitting name! But then you go like a couple miles, and it's it's such a poor neighborhood. It's just really interesting to me. Um, but there's a lot of good people, and I, I think there's an opportunity. Uh, I like Milwaukee a lot.
4: Beautiful. Um, I want to get to Mike Sue, and I want to be mindful of everyone's time. It is six fifty-two here, um, so we only have a couple minutes left. Mike, uh, you have a great question. Why don't
3: you go ahead? Uh, first of all, I I, w- I wish your calling was Joel Embiid instead of Giannis. We really could have use the spacing this year. <laughs> and I also know you guys went inside uh, with my buddy, Scott Budnick into prison yeah.
1: uh, earlier this year. So that was really Whoa. cool of you guys. Scott Scott is helping us form this this coalition. I love Scott. He's a great guy. He's a,
3: he's an energizer bunny and uh, a yeah, force to be. Yeah.
1: Um,
3: yeah. My question is, you know, one of the things that struck me about your players' tribune piece was just how vulnerable you were and, you know, admitting a lot of things that people I think are really uncomfortable admitting about the, our worst instincts. Yeah. And, uh, I would love to hear sort of the thought process and, you know, because like you're saying, everybody's trying to be a brand now and a lot of that is uncomfortable. What, what does this do? Like you see what happened at Kaepernick, you know, how, what's the blowback? How do you balance between like that feeling of calling a responsibility to speak out versus everything else? And you saw also with Dak Prescott speaking more vulnerably about, you know, mental uh, health and. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, first I think people are craving authentic, in realness right now like i think we've, we're reaching our point where we've had enough um posturing in a lot of ways um so i, I thought i thought it was great with dak did and i think it's being really well received in a lot of ways uh, especially by players i think it's uh, hard for players to open up about these things um but as, as far as the players GBM piece, peace like when it comes to speaking about the race as a white man like it's yeah 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 not sure what to say all the time, right? It's one thing when it's white people on the other side, but it's another thing when it's not. And so it's like, what what works though? Like, how do you really speak about anything? And I, it's just, I, I found when, it's, when I've been on the other side, it's really disarming and it creates space for actual conversations when you're willing to admit where you've come up short, right? When you don't have all the answers, like it just creates a space where people are willing to talk. And so I think when when it came to that that piece, like I, I when I think about telling you know black people Americans like how to fix racism, I quiver, my bones shake, right? Like I want nothing to do with this conversation. But I'm okay with admitting where I've been short, because I know there's a lot of other people that are that have gone to the exact same things that I, that I have too, and I think that's where the space is. Like this is where the middle is, right? It's like it's are you can you admit where you come up short and where you're trying to be better? And do you have any kind of an idea what that might look like going forward? And if you can speak on that, I think you can have a conversation. And as those are, that's, that's hard to have today. It's hard to have conversations. And uh, so to me, that's what the heart of it. it felt like a confession to me more than anything. Um, it's just like, yo, man, like, this is my story. Like, I'm realizing more and more things. Um And I'm sorry, and I'm going to try to be better, and then you put in the work after that.
4: Mike, by the way, uh, great to see you. Mike is an executive snap, actually, so he's constantly striving to make authentic content, especially for the younger generation. I do want to get to John McNeil, uh, Doctor J Jersey, of course. We have to recognize Um, John actually was the former COO of Lyft and an executive Tesla. So. He has
3: a really interesting perspective and bringing to the table. John, take it away. Hey, Kyle, I'm uh, I'm also a pastor's kid from Nebraska, so it's fun to talk to a pastor's kid from Iowa. Um, <laughs> as you've tasted success and fame, can you talk a little bit about how you battle against pride and uh, in, in that kind of sneaking in and what that can do to to character uh, and to people as you as you taste success and. Please talk a little bit about how you,
1: hey, what your antidote is. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of uh, falling short in the space in your early years, and you um, hopefully in time figure a few things out. But there's a quote um, that I love, and I'll, I'll, it's uh, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, it's not I'll, it's not exactly like correct, but basically it said, "Most anyone can get through a hard time." right? If you want to see the true character of a man, give him power. I think about that a lot. What's my true character? Like, if you get knocked down, most of us get up, right? But how do you handle success? And that's, that's a lesson for me in the NBA, and surely for you in your space, like, people who can't handle success in the long term, like, they don't get to great right? They don't get there. They have, you have to learn to handle the wins as well as you handle the losses. Um, And that's just, it's a hard one to learn. It's when you learn over time. Um, But I think about that quote by Abraham Lincoln a lot, right? Like how do you handle success? What's, what's, what's your true character? I like that. Thank you. Thanks.
4: Yeah. Let's pass it over to Dave now. Um, we have so many questions. It's just the flurry. I wish we could get to all of them. But unfortunately, I don't know. Can we get an extra 30 minutes? <laughs> no, as long as you need. My
0: kids are in bed. We're good. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a couple more. If you guys don't mind, maybe we could ask a couple more. We won't hold too much longer after because we want to respect Kyle's time and your time. But feel free. Don't feel bad if you got to check out. But I thought it'd be good to hear Alex G because Alex is a friend of ours and he's from Wisconsin. He's a great guy. And you know, they met this past uh, year and you know had Kyle on his podcast, Black Like Me. Do you have not sign up for that? Sign up for that podcast. But Alex, uh, I'm sure you have some follow-up things you'd like to talk with this guy about. So here's your opportunity. Hey
5: Alex. Kyle, how's it going? How's it going? What's up, hey, it's hey man? It's good it's good to see you. Um I actually loved the article um, Kyle wrote a couple years ago um, called Privilege. And my team sent it out to all of our volunteers and donors in my network with Nehemiah and Justified Anger. And we started trying to get in touch with, with Kyle for months. Then when we found out that he was moving to Milwaukee, we tried even harder. And uh, Dave gave me an opportunity to present at a gathering he had in January. Juliet was there. I recognize her name. We were just talking, and she said, "Oh, I'll introduce you to Kyle. He'll be he'll be on your podcast. Yeah, you two will get to know each other."
1: Hard <laughs> to and think that. What, that was what happened weird. was, I got back from practice, and I looked at my phone, and there was a text from Juliet, and she said, "This man, this is Alex G. He's your new friend. You need to call him right now."
5: <laughs>
1: That's how it happened.
5: <laughs> yeah, and I freaked out. I was like, "Wait a minute, Kyle Corver calling me." I, I just want I want to say this. Um, I think my role is as as a brother to Kyle and a friend. Um, and as a black man, is to to affirm when our non-black allies step into the space of allyship, because it's often not enough for some, and it's too much for others. Um, and it is a bridge, but it's a bridge with a different kind of expectation. And so um, there's a gaping hole, in my opinion, um, Kyle, both in the NBA and in Milwaukee, because of your heart and your integrity. And we both know that you're not perfect around these issues. You don't understand them all, but you're so teachable. And I, I just I hope that example to influence the influencers is still something that God keeps on your plate. I remember telling you one time, you don't have to be an expert in Black history. Just talk about white male history. If you just talk about what it's like to live out white male history, that's, that's a big part of the problem. But um, I appreciate the fact that you have accepted your role to be, uh, to be God's voice piece as a call. That it's no different because you're an NBA player. I mean, we are all here answering God's call in business, education. Some of us even in the local churches. And we don't think that we're superhuman because we've accepted that call. We're just obedient. And I love the fact that you that you just kept stressing. I may play in the NBA, but I'm just a guy answering God's call and I'm being obedient. And so I have mad respect um, for you in that re- you know in that regard. And so I just wanted to just comment and just encourage you. Um, in that area. And I appreciate how you bring your mind and your heart to this before you penned that article you've read and you studied for a couple of years, you know, and so that when you started talking, you really, really spoke. And so I, my prayer for you, man, um, is that you get some rest because it's been a busy season. Um, but the other part of it is that God still gives you inroads to some of those influences, not only in the NBA, but in other, other, um, sports, um, uh, in other sports. Because man, it's so 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 needed, and I've been blessed by your work, and I really appreciate it, and I appreciate you Thank and you. Juliet and your family. Thank you,
0: love you both. Hey Kyle, we're gonna wrap it up. Um, oh. Hey, <clears throat> you know I love you, man. You're you're my brother, and uh, Juliet's my sister. Your kids, I love seeing how they're growing up and how they're they're developing. You know, those of you who don't know Kyle. Again, he's the real deal. He, he uh, has a deep love for family, friends, and, and God. You know, he's, he's sincere about it. And it doesn't mean he doesn't have hard questions. And I, I remember we would cry together about some things. And, and then to see things come to fruition and the role he has now. So Kai, I just want to encourage you, you know, as you look at the next step, you know, with all this family of people from around the world, you know, we're all cheering for you. You're not alone. You have people that believe in you, they believe in your mission. And I, I'm I'm confident, super confident that what we talked about in private, about your future, about your ability to connect to different spheres, and how God, you know, I believe you're gonna be used in really significant ways to be that bridge. And that as we look back at this greenhouse time, you know, that you're in that that uh, bubble to me, like I said, that was your greenhouse, man. That was your incubator. And I, I believe there was some DNA passed on to you there. There was some stuff given to you, some soil, some fertilizer that you didn't want, but you, <laughs> you, you got it. So, Hey, any closing words as we wrap up, bro?
1: Nah, man. Hey, uh, with COVID, um, I haven't gotten to church in like what a year. This has been church for me. Oh, yeah. My wife, we love joining in on this group and listening to you guys and being connected to you all. And we can be helpful in any way. Um, you know, consider us in. So um, thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Kyle Corver's talk on Yo House. Next week, we've got Tanya Van Court, CEO and founder of Goal Setter. She'll be talking about family, investing, and how to set up your financial future. Make sure you catch that. Have a great week.